Welcome to the Orange Shoe Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Slayton. In this podcast, we cover multiple topics in regard to health and fitness. I also bring you guest speakers who are professionals in the industry to bring you insight from their field. In this episode, I am joined by Katie and Scott as we bring you part one of our two-part series reviewing the book, Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To by David Sinclair. But before we hop into the episode, here's a quick message from our sponsor. Is your nutrition preventing you from reaching your goals? Do you enjoy eating healthy, but don't enjoy or have the time for all the prep work? If so, then I highly recommend checking out Lean Feast. Lean Feast is the premier meal prep service in the Madison area. They take out all the guesswork and provide you with quick, healthy meals on your schedule. The best part, you get to choose what goes into your meal and how many you purchase. Let's say you struggle with eating healthy lunches during the work week. Then you could go there, purchase five lunches, and eliminate that struggle. The meals take three minutes to warm up via microwave or stovetop, and then they are ready to eat. Season with your favorite spices to add your own little flair. Gone are the days of running to the drive-thru or skipping meals altogether because you failed to plan. Head over to Lean Feast today and use promo code OSPODCAST for 10% off every order. You will not regret this decision. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Orange Shoe Podcast. Uh, today, we're starting our two-part series covering the book Lifespan by David Sinclair, Dr. David Sinclair. And this book is really interesting and it makes you really think and it pulls at a lot of different um I think a lot of different heartstrings for people and like understanding like, yeah, you're so right. I have definitely seen this happen and you guys are going to have a complete understanding of what I'm talking about. But Scott, why did you want to talk about this book and what about this book really kind of like drew you in and made you say, hey, hey, Tom, we need to get this on the podcast. You know, it was recommended to me uh, several times from the same person. So shout out to Tom Olson from Findorf Builders. Thanks for staying on my tail on this one. And it was not there's not a lot of pictures in this book, Tom. So it was like kind of a challenge. It was definitely single uh, space aerial font uh, for sure. But you know why I wanted to cover this topic after I read the book is I, I think we all have all had someone in our life who you know either has been taken from us prematurely due to a disease, you know, or their lives were extended long after you know that person that their health and vitality you know had mm-hmm. kind of left them. And I know in my in my case, like I remember my. Uh, uh, grandmother moving in with us, you know, I was in high school and it was a skeleton of who she used to be. And, you know, every morning there'd be the Monday through Sunday pillbox, you know, AM, PM. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't life, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, early on, uh, it was one of those things where you had to kind of question, you know, at 18, 19, 20 years of age, like, is this what I have to look forward to? <laughs> like really like in, you know, so it was always something that was kind of a subconsciously rooted in me. And this book just brought it out and there's some pretty bold statements and we're just, you know, here to uh, do our best to orange shoeify this book. Uh, there's mostly, it's going to be me reading excerpts from the book. So if you really want the full book, you know, buy the book, you know, draw your own conclusions onto this, but it is really fascinating uh, a book to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll start off, Scott, with you reading like one of the an intro, um, like you got like, a, you got a statement here that you wanted to read. And I think it really kind of dives into kind of what this book is about, but kind of give people a, a big understanding here. So go ahead and read um, this expert, the excerpt that you have um, about it, about the book. Yeah. So as a species, we are living much longer than ever, but not much better. Not at all. Over the past century, we have gained additional years, but not additional life not life worth living anyway. 
In my mind, there are few sins so gracious as the extending life without health. It doesn't matter if we can extend lifespans, if we cannot extend health to an equal extent. Aging is a disease. This is so clear that it seems almost insane that those four words need to be repeated again and again, but I'll do so anyway. Aging is a disease. And not only is it a disease, but it is the mother of all diseases, the one we all suffer from. However, aging is going to be remarkably easy to tackle, easier than cancer. I know how that sounds. It sounds <laughs> crazy. And these excerpts are from the book Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To, written by Dr. David Sinclair. And, you know, again, we talked, we opened up the podcast with why we wanted to uh, cover this book. And I think there's a, a part in, you know, maybe this is my teaching background, but we need to educate the audience on there's a huge difference between getting fit and getting away from chronic disease. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, Tom and Katie, like, you know, how would you describe someone who wants to get fit versus someone, you know, which is a vast majority of, you know, North Americans who just really need to focus on becoming healthier and not prone to chronic disease. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we part we started talking right before we even started recording about this and kind of going over what we wanted to talk about today. And I when I had read that that statement of like describe someone who wants to get fit versus someone who wants to be healthier. And for whatever reason, the first thing that popped in my head was when I think of somebody who who's getting fit besides healthy, I think of like they're aesthetically driven. They're 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 the person who doesn't have the consistency, someone who's diet hopping, somebody who wants to look a certain way, but doesn't necessarily care if they're actually healthy. So I will, I want to lose 20 pounds um, for, you know, cause I'm going on spring break, but then after spring break, I don't really care what happens. Um, I, I'm, I want to lose weight for my wedding, but then after my wedding, I just don't really care what help it happens. That's somebody who's very aesthetically driven. Mm -hmm. They want people to look at them and, and think a certain way. Um, but, but as soon as they're not in that situation anymore, they don't really care about being healthy. They, their, their priorities are not health. They're not thinking long-term they're thinking short-term like me when I was 18, when someone told me to open an investment investment account, it's like, no, that's my paycheck. I want that money now. I want to use it now. Why do I care about my 65 year old self? Because, and then when you turn 30 and you still haven't put any money in an investment account, you're like, oh shit. I wish I would have realized this. And I think that's exactly happening with people in fitness and health. Yeah. You get to 30, 40, 50, and you're like, oh shit, why didn't I listen to somebody when I was 18 telling me I needed to start developing better habits? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this plenty of times with habits and habit forming and you know the things, but I think somebody who's just trying to get fit is focused on the aesthetic. And then we someone who's trying to be healthier doesn't necessarily care about the aesthetic. They just want to make sure that they're controlling the factors they can control sleep, nutrition, you know, moving their bodies and X, Y, and Z. And however their body happens to look, that's how it looks mm -hmm. going from there. So Katie, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, great topic. So when somebody comes to me and they say they want to get fit, it's interesting that how uh, fit is associated with movement, right? Um, and in, in my younger years as a trainer, I was totally on that in my twenties. I was like, yeah, just work out all the time. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, as I've had four kids and moved into my forties, that's not the same story I would tell today. And that's because I've become very aware of, uh, nutrition and how I treat my body, um, from the inside out. 
So it's interesting when people do come to, to Orange Shoe and they're like, get me fit. It's uh, ninja style moves on our trainer's behalf mm -hmm. to be like, hey, I'm going to help you in the movement uh, format for sure. But we're going to do these little subtle behavior tweaks that ultimately will make the difference on your lifespan. Because uh, like, you know, right now, obesity is the number one uh, killer of, uh, you know, heart disease, cardiac uh, problems is the number one problem in America. And just by tweaking a lot of like the nutrition, uh, mm -hmm. it really makes a huge difference because movement alone will, will not solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. So before we jump into the book, let's like dive into who this David Sinclair is. <clears throat> so David Sinclair is a professor in the department of genetics and co-director of the Paul F. Glenn center for biology of aging research at Harvard medical school. He is best known for his work on understanding why we age and how to slow its effects. He obtained his PhD in molecular genetics at the University of New South Wales, Sydney in 1995. He worked as a postdoctoral researcher at MIT, where he co-discovered a cause of aging for yeast, as well as the role of SIR2 in epigenetic changes driven by genome instability. You had that class, right, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> in, 19... <laughs> in 1999, 1999, he was recruited to Harvard Medical School, where he has been teaching aging biology and translational medicine for aging for the past 16 years. The Sinclair Lab was the first one to identify a role for NAD-positive biosynthesis and regulation of lifespan. Dr. Sinclair is co-founder of several biotechnology companies and is on the boards of several others. He is also co-founder and co-chief editor of the journal Aging. His work is featured in five books, two documentary movies, 60 Minutes, Morgan Freeman's Through the Wormhole, and other media. He is an inventor on 35 patents and has received more than 25 awards and honors, including the Frontiers in Aging and Regeneration Award, Top 100 Australian Innovators, and Time Magazine's list of the 100 most influential people in the world. So... It's obvious, Mr. Sinclair is a slacker. <laughs> if Mr. Sinclair doesn't live to 150, does all his work mean nothing? <laughs> so I think what, how those those yeah, yeah. what you put into yeah. those 150 yeah. years. So I think there, you know, where do we start? Where are we at as a nation when it comes to our health? I mean, currently the nation spends an annual, this is annually, 3.7 trillion on chronic diseases and mental health conditions. Now, chronic health conditions and unhealthy behaviors also reduce worker productivity. So what are the five chronic diseases and risk factors? You know, high blood pressure, diabetes, smoking, physical inactivity, and obesity. And these five things cost U.S. employers $36.4 billion a year because of employees missing days of work. Now, just to put this in perspective, Tom, everybody knows who Jeff Bezos is. So he bought this mansion in Beverly Hills. I don't know, it's like $150 million or something like that. You could buy 22,424 Jeff Bezos mansions for the cost of what the country spends annually. On chronic disease yeah so. it, that's a, an absurd number that's just insane and to me when i think about how much we're spending on chronic disease and mental health and conditions due to you know health related stuff and not moving our bodies and you know uneducation on food and all that stuff i think about does the government actually care because we're for first spending that much money, they're making that much money, right? And that's what they want, right? They want that money. And I always say, we got to fend for ourselves. No one, at the end of the day, you got to want to be healthy. No one's going to do it for you. And if you don't want to be contributing to that $3.7 trillion that this like 
then they're just small things, right? And we've talked about them in all the other podcasts. If you guys know want to know what those small things are, just go listen to some of our previous episodes. But they're just simple things that you will never have to be a dollar contributing to that. And it just blows my mind. Is that how much money when I really think about how simple it really is to not fall into chronic disease? Um, so yeah, that just blows my mind. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I mean, the book is divided into three main sections. And for today, we're going to dive into section one. Um, we will not dive into section three, uh, only for the purpose of it goes into the ethical uh, implications of extending life. And I felt like I couldn't do that part of the book justice. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of different directions he goes to. But to give you a little bit of a sneak peek, his daughter learned about what his research is about. And she couldn't believe that he wanted to make humans live longer because she's like, humans are the problem. And that really, you know, mm -hmm. as a father, and that's your life's research that kept him up at night. And mm -hmm. he had to kind of go down that, that path of like, okay, what, what is the ethical implications of extending life? And I felt like I couldn't really do that chapter justice. So we're mm -hmm. gonna keep it to the first two chapters, Tom. And, um, you know, the first section is, uh, we'll do our best to orange shoeify the book uh, for our listeners, but a lot of it is just taken straight from the book and we'll talk about it. But section one is aging as a disease. It's the most common disease, one that not only can, but should be aggressively treated. Now, just think if we set up our workplace and home life so we were proactive with this rather than just dishing out the 3.7 trillion a year on being reactive. What's mm -hmm. it say, like a penny wise, pound foolish, mm -hmm. or ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So he dives into the information theory. So the information theory of aging starts with a primordial survival circuit we inherited from our distant ancestors. Over time, as you might expect, the circuit has evolved. Mammals, for instance, don't have just a couple of genes that create a survival circuit. Scientists have found more than two dozen of these genes within our genome. Most of my colleagues call these longevity genes because they have demonstrated the ability to extend both average and maximum lifespans in many organisms. But these genes don't just make life longer, they make it healthier, which is why they can also be thought of as vitality genes. And now that we know these genes are there and what many of them do, we are able to push them to work for us in different ways, using technology, both simple and complex, and wisdom, both new and old. And Katie and I are on, uh, when, we, when we travel uh, and we're at the hotel, we don't have cable TV, but uh, when we're at the hotel, we do have cable TV. I could not believe, have you ever seen the Doug Flutie and the Frank Thomas commercials? I have not like, yeah, don't, um, <laughs> it's kind of, so basically they're like, Hey, take this pill and like, yeah, uh, the, it'll solve all your problems. So that's not what we're talking about in terms of, you know, like, uh, the, the science or the technology that's out there. I, I really like to focus in more on the, the old school tactics because you don't need to be wealthy to be able to employ these tactics. You don't mm -hmm. need a certain level of education, uh, to employ these tactics, but we want to, uh, first kind of go down the wormhole of what those longevity genes are. So you get a little bit of an understanding of who the main players are. So when it comes to these longevity genes, there's some main characters we need to introduce you to. The first being sirtuins. Sirtuins are enzymes that control our health, our fitness, and our very survival. They have also evolved to require a molecule calling, called nicotinamide mm -hmm. adenine dinucleotide. Great or, job. <laughs> God actually, bless you. I did not want to read that. So good job. I Googled it. There's like this whole thing I Googled that will pronounce the, and it was in there. Wow. So, or you can just call it NAD. Uh, the loss of NAD as we age 
and the resulting decline in sirtuin activity is thought to be the primary reason our bodies develop diseases when we become old. But sirtuins aren't the only longevity genes. Two other very well-studied sets of genes performed similar roles, which also have been proven to man be manipulable in ways that can offer longer and healthier lives. One of these is called mTOR. Like the sirtuins, mTOR activity exquis is exquisitely regulated by nutrients. And like the sirtuins, mTOR can signal cells in stress to hunker down and improve survival by boosting DNA repair and reducing inflammation. When mTOR is inhibited, it forces cells to hunker down and reuse old cellular components to maintain energy and extend survival, sort of like going to the junkyard to find parts with which to fix up an old car rather than buying a new one. When our ancestors were unsuccessful in bringing down a woolly mammoth, it was the shutting down of mTOR that permitted them to survive. Now, the second longevity gene is an enzyme known as AMPK, which evolved to respond to low energy levels. It has also been highly conserved among species, and as with sirtuins and mTOR, we have learned a lot about how to control it. So here's the important point. There are plenty of stressors that will activate our longevity genes. That's the start of longevity. So, you know, to recap this first uh, section of the book, according to Dr. Sinclair, aging is a disease. It's the ultimate disease. And scientists have been able to identify several longevity genes, such as sirtuins, mTOR, and AMPK, which we can manly, manually <laughs> manipulate to provide us with not only longer lives, but healthier lives. So this was not an easy book for me to read. I read it on, uh, it was down in Florida uh, on your, our vacation for your birthday, Katie. This mm -hmm. was the book I was uh <laughs> Okay, so question, question for you. Yeah, so, fire away. Summarizing all that, Jazz, uh, are you saying like good stressors are going to keep you alive longer? Yes. What kinds? What We're kind? going to dive into that, oh. Katie, in chapter two. <laughs> so I think that's a good place to stop. We'll, we'll pick up on section two and we'll introduce you to the steps that can be taken right now that can put you on the path to becoming younger next year. Yeah, it seems like step one is all the science in big words and AMPK and mTOR. And yeah, I'm excited to break that down for the clients and understanding how exercise can uh, <laughs> activate and inhibit mTOR and AMPK and what types of exercise actually um, are you know more beneficial for each one of those. So there you guys have it. Um, longevity and getting to the point where we can live to 80, but when we get to 60, when we get like those 20 years from 60 to 80 are actually enjoyable yeah. and we can enjoy life. And that's the whole idea of this guys is, we don't want to live longer, but by the time we get to 60 and we die at 80, those 60 to 80, those 20 years of in and out of the hospital, taking pills, surgeries, and you can't enjoy life. So that is the, the overarching um, importance of longevity and why we're kind of talking about this. So there you guys have it. Tune in next week for um, part two of this series and where we're going to kind of dive into why and kind of a little bit the, the, the behind um, and more of the information on to how do we activate and what stressors we need to uh, increase longevity. So thank you guys so much for listening and uh, tune in next week. As always, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I really appreciate every listen that I get. With that being said, if you have any feedback or any questions you would like answered on future episodes, please use the link in the bio above to submit me a quick little voice message you could do right from your phone. I would love to hear from you. So thank you so much again for listening and have a great rest of your day.